your financial support immediately, like yesterday. And if you haven't done it yet, and if you have the means of doing it, please consider becoming a financial supporter to this radio station by calling 516-620-3602. Okay, stay tuned for Driving Forces with Jeff Simmons coming up. Welcome to Driving Forces. I'm your host, Jeff Simmons. Thank you for staying with WBAI this afternoon. So for much of this week, I've been following the news closely on the course of this coronavirus, because while New York City and New York State have been showing market improvement and steady improvement, we continue to enter these, this new phase across the country where we're seeing a surge in cases. And I'll come back to that in a little while with the latest numbers for you. But it's incredibly disturbing to see what is happening in a number of other regions. Right before the show started, I had just read one piece, an article in the uh, Wall Street Journal that noted that there were 56 hospitals in Florida that no longer have available uh, intensive care unit beds. Uh, the rate of increase is incredibly uh, problematic in a number of these regions. And here in New York City and New York State, we've been entering these new phases of reopening. But what is troublesome is seeing how relaxed some people have been in recent days. Uh, just thinking of this last weekend when there were images that had uh, uh, burned up the Internet of large gatherings. Uh, I know one on Fire Island that received a lot of blowback. Uh, where people had gathered uh, together very crowded without any masks. So my view is don't let your guard down. This virus is still out there. You don't know who you're mingling with often. Wear a mask. We can't repeat that enough, it seems. And, you know, and Reggie, in starting the show, had mentioned that we're in fundraising drive. And if you're thinking of getting a mask that you have not worn one or you want another mask, well, I'm bringing this up at the top of the show. WBAI also has our beautiful branded masks. And I ordered two. I'm hoping to get them in the next few days uh, to supplement the ones that I have because you, if it's required, you need to wash the masks too. You can't always wear the same mask. You need to make sure that you, you know, you wear things that have been disinfected. So before I get to the news, I just want to let you know, if you want a WBAI mask, make a donation. Keep us on the air. Keep us commercial-free and non-corporate. That would be fantastic. And the way to do that is to call up and make a donation, 516-620-3602. Make a $35 donation. I did it for two masks last week, and that's on top of me being a BAI buddy where I give a recurring donation every month, 516-620-3602, or just go online. Go in your computer, if you're listening to me at home and, and you're streaming the audio, you're already at your computer, hopefully, you can do this. Go to this address, give to, that's the number two, wbai.org, give to wbai.org. Make a contribution, $35 or more. Say you want one of the WBAI masks and Show off your WBAI pride when you walk around and do it safely, particularly if you're going to be in, in groups. So let me go to the news of the day because we've got a really good show for you today. Coming up in just a few minutes uh, will be Congress member Yvette Clark. And then I'm going to speak with election lawyer Jerry Goldfeder to talk about the absentee ballot process here in New York City and what's taking place this week, why ballots are uh, are accepted or disqualified. And then during the second half of the show, we'll be joined by Senator Cory Booker, former presidential candidate, former uh, mayor of Newark. Uh, he's going to talk to us about the Supreme Court decision today, about criminal justice reforms, and much more. So before I get to my first guest, very briefly, wanted to give you some updates, because this was, depending on how you look at it and what news outlet you go to, this was a taxing day for the president, and I'm using the word taxing on purpose because in uh, the final opinion 
uh, of the current term, the Supreme Court had ruled that prosecutors in New York could see President Trump's financial records. Now, this is depending on who you who you where you read this news. This is considered a major defeat for the president. However, here's where the president might seem somewhat happy, which is by the time this gets down to the lower courts uh, once again and goes to a, a, a before a grand jury, this is not obviously going to be anything we're going to see before the November elections. So in his view, you know, these records that he still wants to suppress does not want released, unlike almost every other elected official that we deal with where they release their tax records. He's hopefully, hopefully hoping that these will not be released forever, but at least before the election in November. So what was interesting in this, in this decision was that the chief justice Roberts had said, and I had written, and I'm, I'm quoting, no citizen, not even the president is categorically above the common duty to produce evidence when called upon in a criminal proceeding. Basically, the president is not above the law. So we'll talk about this with our guests today. Also, what's going on? There's a lot of confusion. I'm sure you've heard about this, but what's been astounding is the confusion over uh, the schools reopening this fall and what it's going to look like and how our children are going to go to school, whether it's going to be only part time during the week, several times a week, uh, and then they remo- you know learn remotely. This has to be incredibly confusing for parents right now who don't know what to expect, because for many of them, they, you also have to decide how you're going to handle child care. What will remote learning look like? We don't even know what the schedules will be like. There's a lot of confusion out there. So let me check with Reggie to see if we've got our first guest on the line yet. Yep. Great. So with that, I'm going to go to the first guest because I've been excited to have her back on the show. And I'm talking about Congress member Yvette Clark. She represents the 9th Congressional District here in New York. She's been a a founding member and co-chair on a number of committees and caucuses. Uh, She served as vice chair of the Energy and Commerce Committee uh, on the Homeland Security Committee, uh, Congressional Caucus on Black Women and Girls, co-chair of Medicare for All Caucus, a number of other uh, committees as well. This Tuesday, she declared victory in the primary, in the June primary, uh, over four opponents who were seeking to oust her from Congress. On election night, she received more than 37,000 votes, leading her closest challenger by uh, 44 percentage points. And I want to quote uh, one of our BAI colleagues here from the Gotham Gazette, uh, 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 ben Max, who had reported that uh, Representative Clark held this significant lead over a second-time challenger, Adam uh, Bunkadeko, uh, who came within 2,000 votes of beating her in 2018, but this was a much wider margin. Clark basically took about 63% of the vote. This is before absentee ballots have been uh, officially counted, but enough that Associated Press has declared her the winner. So, Congresswoman, welcome back to WBAI. Thank you for having me, Jeff. Great to be with you. So, obviously, all the absentees are not counted yet. For listeners, explain why it's clear that you can declare victory at this point. Well, according to most election experts and the Associated Press, for the 9th District of New York, uh, there I don't have the exact number of absentee ballots, but there aren't enough for my closest opponent to be able to succumb the, 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 the gap in, uh, in difference between the number of votes that I garnered and that they garnered. My closest opponent garnered about 17% of the vote, and I've garnered 62%. So having said that, uh, you know, we expect that we will get a number of the absentee ballots uh, so we'll, uh, we had four other opponents in this race. So uh, it, it doesn't look as though any of them will be able to surpass what we've been able to do on Election Day. And what do you believe was your path to victory this time? Well, I think there were a number of things that, that came, came, came together. Um, one was the fact that all elections have been consolidated now to June 23rd. So you had a number of offices running simultaneously with congressional offices. 
so that also generated a lot of activity uh, within the district. And then the direct appeal to voters, uh, you know, uh, given the, the COVID crisis, uh, we had to switch to a digital and virtual platform in order to really reach voters. And given the stay-at-home order, we were able to connect with many of, of the voters of our district. Uh, we put together very strong coalitions uh, across the district. Uh, and I think that my, my election results were a, uh, you know, a culmination of a lot of hard work and outreach and, uh, 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 and, and connecting, quite frankly, with, with voters in the district. And we did hear, I mean, I've heard about a number of issues regarding voting problems in the city, particularly many people who applied for absentee ballots and didn't receive them in time. What was your experience? What have you heard from your constituents? Yeah, I mean, it's very clear that, uh, you know, given the emergency uh, dynamic of uh, the state moving to an all absentee ballot access for voters, uh, there were a number of logistical challenges that the Board of Elections faced, which were then transferred to the electorate. And uh, given the, the, the truncated time, particularly after the court case that uh, placed the presidential candidate back on, on the ballot, uh, a lot of time elapsed. Uh, the, the process by which the Board of Elections went about printing applications and ballots were also contracted out. I mean, it, it gets into some minutiae, but time was not our friend uh, at any step of this. And unfortunately, uh, as a result of that, uh, application ballots were received late. Um, people had to either go online or return by mail. Um, and whatever the logistics were in responding to the request, those were also delayed, which then delayed uh, people actually receiving their, their actual ballots. Uh, by the time I can give my own personal experience, by the time I received my ballot application, it was the day before uh, early voting began and two days before the deadline for receipt. Uh, from the Board of Elections. I could have gone online to request it, but I was just sort of looking at the process myself and recognizing that uh, if I was experiencing this, certainly many of my constituents were, and we were getting calls all along from individuals uh, concerned about not having received their applications on time or not having received their ballots on time. So. You know, we had to be very nimble with this election in giving people all of their options. You know, we wanted to make sure that people could safely cast their ballots. So we did a massive push for people to apply for their ballots online versus trying to use the postal service. We then switched to uh, informing people about the early voting options uh, as a means of voting safely and then did the final push for election day to, to get as many voters engaged in this election as possible. So before I switch to the pandemic and the latest out of Washington, D.C., as we look ahead towards the November elections, do you switch how you camp? Obviously, we're doing a lot virtually now, but do you have to switch uh, your campaign approach now because, uh, you know, we're a lot of us are turning out in particular because of the presidential election this November. And I'm curious as you campaign now, if this will be, if you'll be very assertive in your concerns about a Trump administration. Absolutely. There's no doubt about it. I mean, while we are a guaranteed blue state, I think it's very important that we send a message uh, as a constituency, as a state, uh, about our, uh, our, our preference in terms of elective office. For me, of course, that's Joe Biden. And I'm going to be campaigning extremely hard for my reelection 
as well as the election of uh, Joe Biden. And, and I should we're ask... Gonna use some, we're going to use some of the, the same tools that we use to get turnout, uh, you know, for uh, the primary, uh, circling back to, to thank voters. We've already begun that process, but continuing to engage them in, the off, in what's at stake with this election. The ninth District of New York, I've always stated, is has been in the bullseye of all of the uh, very destructive, demeaning, and uh, disrespectful policies of the Trump administration. And I think it's important that we register our dissatisfaction with the type of leadership that Donald Trump uh, provided to, to our nation. And when it comes to his leadership, what's your feeling on uh, his uh, frustration or anger, whatever word you want to use, when it comes to the World Health Organization, essentially blaming them for falling down on the job and not providing valuable information. How do you feel he's handled the, the whole situation with COVID and with who? It, it, it's all a distraction from the fact that he's inept. It's all a distraction from the fact that uh, he has never embraced the role of president. This has all been about Donald Trump. And his narcissism has blinded him to the fact that there's a nation of, human, of, of, of people that rely on uh, the federal government and, and the presidency, the role of the president, to uh, guide us through um, you know, any potential harm or danger. Uh, and he failed miserably. Uh, he has failed from day one, as far as I was concerned. But I mean, the, the implications of his failure now have, have, have brought uh, our nation, uh, unfortunately, to its knees economically, health-wise, uh, you know, uh, civil unrest, uh, and we can't continue this way. Um, and so we need real leadership in the White House. Donald Trump is—he finds every method of distracting from the real issues, which is the fact that he has not embraced uh, the, the role uh, and responsibility of being president of the United States. So he's always looking for uh, someone else or something else to blame for his failure. So you talked about uh, Joe Biden earlier. I'm curious, who do you think... Uh, would uh, be a good choice for Joe Biden as his running mate? Wow. You know, he, he's got a great bench of, uh, of willing uh, candidates who are all eminently qualified to take on this role. I'm excited about the fact that there are so many uh, women of color uh, that he uh, has uh, indicated are on his short, short list. I think that it's timely in the fact that we are looking at, uh, you know, how inclusive we can be as a society in uh, making decisions about the direction of our nation. Uh, and there, again, I, I think he is uh, really lucky to have such an abundance of riches. I don't have a preferred candidate. I do know most of the individuals that uh, have been identified as being on the short list. And I think every single one of them bring significant strength uh, to that ticket. So um, I'm waiting to, to hear with bated breath myself. So we've got just about two minutes left. The Supreme Court final day of the opinions today for this session, uh, depending on how you look at it, uh, I mean, I look at it, the decision regarding Trump's financial records as a loss for him. Uh, you know, even some of the conservative judges picked by Trump seem to side with the majority here. Uh, do you think we'll ever see, do you think Congress and the public will ever see his financial records? I think they will. It, it, he may not be in office at the time, but, you know, these are criminal uh, activities that he was engaged with. And just because he's either no longer in office or he's a sitting president, I think the uh, Supreme Court made it clear today that that does not absolve him. And so uh, I think that, you know, there's going to be a lot of follow-up and follow-through on the activities, behavior, and conduct of Donald Trump 
uh, prior to being elected, uh, while in office. And, uh, you know, it's important that we bring that level of transparency to the people of the United States. Um, it, it, it's important that we have a reckoning of, uh, you know, what took place during this administration and how it has put our nation, um, you know, in jeopardy. So I've got just about 30 seconds left. How can people learn more about you? Also, if they want to know more about uh, your stance on certain policy issues, where should they go? Sure. So they can go to my website, which is votevet.com, and they can there they'll see a, a whole uh, menu of my positions on, on various issues, how they can be supportive, of my reelection campaign, um, and uh, they, they should also uh, feel free to look at my official website, where uh, we also post, you know, the, the latest of what's happening in Washington D.C. and my voting record, things of that nature. So uh, there are many ways that they can get in touch, but they can learn more about uh, uh, the candidate Yvette Clark at VoteYvette.com. Congresswoman, thank you so much for appearing with me here on WBAI today. Thank you for having me, Jeff. Great to be with you once again. Stay safe, stay strong, and stay healthy. Thank you. So you've been listening to Driving Forces on WBAI 99.5 FM, streaming live at WBAI.org. I'm your host, Jeff Simmons, and I had just been talking with Congressmember Yvette Clark about the primary and about some of the latest issues coming out of Washington, D.C., and also talking about uh, the president's record and his uh, leadership, or as some might say, his lack of leadership. Uh, in just a few minutes, we're going to Go a little more to New York City and to uh, absentee ballot counting with our next guest. But before I bring on Jerry Goldfeder, I just want to thank our listeners again for tuning in to WBAI this afternoon. I know many of us are, are a little anxious about getting outside in warmer weather, but a little nervous at the same time about going outside and being around uh, larger groups of people, particularly uh, those who are not wearing masks. And the numbers are are rather concerning when you consider uh, the the, the uh, virus and the extent of it. I mean, 33 states have seen their caseloads increase this week. I mean, the country seems right back in the situation when we were incredibly afraid earlier this year because of the rapidly spreading outbreak and, in some areas, the strained hospitals. So the statistic I want to note for you, if you have not read about this, and this is incredibly important, the United States uh, it has... So many cases right now that you look at it this way. It took just four weeks for the country to go from 2 million coronavirus infections to the 3 million mark. And most forecasters are now saying that if it continues to accelerate at this record pace, it may likely take even less time to surpass 4 million. And here's the other thing. The national death toll uh, is expected that at this rate, it could eclipse 200,000 more losses, 200,000 losses, excuse me, by election day in November. Just consider that. Consider that when you go outside for your own health and for the health of those around you. You really should uh, pay attention uh, to, you know, your actions and the actions of others. So with that, I want to get to my next guest. Reggie, do we have our guest on the line? Great. So my next guest is someone I have known for some time, and I'm very excited to have him on today. We were in the trenches. This is my full disclosure. We were in the trenches together on election night back in 2009 when my then boss, city controller Bill Thompson, ran against Mike Bloomberg for mayor. Jerry Goldfeder is one of the top experts you want in your side. He's one of the best experts when it comes to election law. So I'm very happy to have him join me here in WBAI. Welcome. Well, thank you so much, Jeff. It's good to be with you. Thank you. So we talk about the absentee ballot counting process. And, you know, for uh, political insiders, you know what, you know, what takes place. You know why ballots are accepted or not accepted. Can you walk us through a little about what this process entails? What's going on right now? Uh, because there's a considerable amount of ballots that were submitted this year. So just talk a little about the process and the issues you've been hearing about. Well, I'll be happy to. I'll give you the short version. So this year, of course, because of the pandemic and because of the 
ease with which um, uh, absentee ballots could be cast due to the governor's executive order. We've had hundreds of thousands of absentee ballots uh, throughout uh, New York City uh, cast. Now, each board of elections uh, in the five boroughs will be going through each and every one of those absentee ballots. Um, people always ask, well, will they count my ballot? The answer is yes, they will look at your ballot. So they look at each and every one, and they make a determination, the board personnel. And by the way, we have a bipartisan system, so there's a Republican and a Democrat looking at each and every ballot, and there could be the candidates there or their representatives uh, watching and monitoring this process. So they'll go through a ballot and they'll say, this absentee ballot is invalid, this absentee ballot is valid. So what makes an absentee ballot invalid? And there's always a goodly number of absentee ballots that are declared invalid. So, for example, if I uh, sent in an absentee ballot, but it wasn't postmarked by June 23rd this year, it will not count. If I send in an absentee ballot and it's not received by June 30th this year, it will not count. If I sent in an absentee ballot, but I decided to vote early or I decided to vote on primary day. Obviously, I can only vote once. So the absentee ballot won't count because I already voted uh, on the machine. Or if, for example, in a Democratic Party primary, if I happen not to be a Democrat, but somehow I got that ballot by mistake, they, they will not uh, uh, count that ballot. Additionally, uh, there is an outer envelope and an envelope and an inner envelope. I fill out my ballot, I put it in an inner envelope, I sign my name and date it, and I put it in the outer envelope that gets mailed to the Board of Elections. If I didn't sign and date the inner envelope, that ballot will not count. So one by one in each borough, uh, for every assembly district and every election district in every assembly district, the ballots will be gone through by a bipartisan team uh, monitored by various representatives uh, throughout this process, and they will decide which um, uh, ballots are invalid, which ballots are valid. Now, candidates or the representatives can make objections to their rulings, and then those rule then uh, a, a ballot might be put aside, or it might count. So let's say it's a valid ballot, and uh, they then open the envelope. They open the envelope and they take out the ballot and they put it face down. And the reason they put it face down is because we don't want to compromise the secrecy of the vote. And they go through of a particular election district. Let's say there's 100 uh, ballots uh, taken out of the envelopes from the ballot envelopes. And they put them down and then they mix them up. And they mix them up so that we don't know who voted for whom. And then they show it to us and they say, OK, you have any objections? Um, and if the, if there's any extraneous writing on the ballot, then that ballot is really no good. Or if it's deformed, it defaced in some way, then that ballot is no good. You also can write in a candidate's name, but you're not allowed to write in a candidate's name if they already appeared on the ballot. So, therefore, this process will go on most of the time, 99% of the time, these ballots that have been taken out of the envelopes of the valid envelopes there won't be any objections there won't be any problems and they'll all get put through the, the scanning machine and we will have a count so as you can see it's a very tedious laborious process but we want to make sure it's done each and every ballot and we want to make sure it's done correctly and the board of elections personnel are doing it in in the open transparently and calling out what the results are uh, for each election district in an assembly district. That's, that's the way the process works. Sometimes wise guy lawyers say things like, it's like watching paint dry. It's a slow process. But we want it to be a careful process, and that's essentially the way it works. So we're doing that now in every borough. Whether the, whether the race is close or whether the race is not close, each and every one of these absentee ballots will be counted. So I know we don't have much time, but one of the other things I do want to raise is that uh, 
the election law gives candidates a right to file a, a legal claim within 10 days of after a primary. Can you talk a little about, you know, why a candidate would want to file a claim like that and what it does? Sure. And I'll, I'll try to be uh, more uh, briefer. Um, uh, the, uh, the, the reason you file, if the margin is relatively close, um, you file a lawsuit. It's a prophylactic lawsuit so that at the end of the day, if the margin remains close and the board has made rulings that a ballot is valid or a ballot is invalid, you can go to the judge and say, you know, the board made some erroneous rulings and I want you, your honor, to overturn those erroneous rulings. So, for example, if you're in a hotly contested race and you're down by 10 votes then and and you disagree with some of the board's rulings about what should be counted and what shouldn't be counted, you go to the judge and say, you know, they were about 25 irregularities, and I want you to look at them because the board made bad rulings, and once you make the rulings that should have been made, I will win. And that's the reason you go to court in advance, just to protect your rights. And the only reason you go in advance is because the law is such is that you, you, this is a statute of limitations and you have to bring the case before you even know what's happening with the absentee ballots. And, and many candidates uh, do this as a routine matter. So uh, in, in the final few minutes that we have, uh, you've been also working with a number of candidates. What, you know, where are you involved with right now? What are some of the races that you're paying attention to? Well, I represent a candidate running for a borough president in Queens. I represent a number of congressional candidates and assembly candidates. Um, I, some of my candidates are winning easily. Some of my candidates are behind. So we are monitoring the process to make sure at the end of the day, all the ballots that should have been counted by eligible voters are counted, and whatever the result is, the result is. And is there something based on the concerns about uh, a number of people have said they've not gotten their absentee ballot, did not get them in time? Uh, are there some reforms or a reform that you think we, uh, you know, that can be pushed for that should be uh, implemented as a result of some of the problems experienced during this last primary? Well, it's really terrible. There are so many voters that requested an absentee ballot and didn't receive them. And they were disenfranchised through no fault of their own. Um, I, I've, I, I wrote recently in the Daily News uh, a, an op-ed saying that we should, we in New York should follow the model that is being used in California and New Jersey, where the Board of Elections should just send us the ballot instead of going through this whole application process and worrying about whether we're going to get the ballot in time and worrying, that, therefore, of whether we're going to mail it back and they're going to receive it on time. I think if we did that, I, I think that that would eliminate uh, that kind of problem. There's, there's also another problem because we, 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 have, we have seen that even though I said that uh, uh, an absentee ballot needs to be mailed by June 23rd, which is primary day, um, the post office is not postmarking these envelopes that contain the ballots. And the reason they're not doing that is because it's a prepaid envelope. So everybody was really thrilled about prepaid envelopes. It doesn't cost people (laughs) to to send in their vote. But if the the post office is not uh, postmarking them, then the Board of Elections uh, has no idea, really, when some of the ballots have been uh, actually mailed. And the law is that if there's no postmark, they will invalidate the ballot. When I come across those, we are objecting to those being invalidated, and we're asking the Board of Elections to be uh, to put them aside. It, it's generally not a big problem for uh, most races, but if the if if a race is very very close, it could make make uh, be the difference between winning or losing. So we really do need to have some real fundamental. Uh, uh, change some real fundamental reform in Albany um, as to the way we conduct our elections because uh, so many people get disenfranchised through no fault uh, of their own. And just think about this. In November, we are going to have people voting in droves in a presidential election. We're going to have tons of people voting 
um, in November. God knows how the poll workers are going to manage it. God knows how they're going to count all the absentee ballots in, in a uh, expedited way. So we're really in for uh, as messy as this was. We're in for a total mess unless we get some real reform uh, out of Albany. So I, I guess we're ending this interview on a very optimistic note then, Jerry. <laughs> well, we want to be realistic because we want things to be better. Yeah, I, I agree. How can people learn more about you? Because you you mentioned the piece in the Daily News, but you, you've penned so many wonderful, insightful pieces. Where can people go to read these? Well, thank you. I appreciate that. You can either go to my law firm's site, which is uh, struck, dot com. Or follow me on Facebook or Twitter. Um, it's my name. And uh, usually those, those articles are posted. And I'm happy to share them with uh, everybody who uh, makes a request. And I appreciate your, your kind words. And, and by the way, I also appreciate the work that you do on BAI. I've been a listener of BAI since God knows how many years, some 50 years. And I'm only 45, so I don't really understand. <laughs> Jerry, thanks so much for joining me here on Driving Forces today. My pleasure. Take care, Jeff. Thank you. So before I get to my last guest, uh, uh, you know, Jerry was just saying that he is, uh, he's been listening to BAI. If you are a listener, a longtime listener, and you want to let other people know without like screaming into the world, one of the best ways you can do that is to wear a WBAI face mask. I can't wait for mine to come in the mail. That's why I keep mentioning it so that Reggie, you know, and everyone remembers, get those masks over to Jeff. The way you can get one of these beautiful masks is you can make a donation to WBAI and $35. That's it. Uh, the number to call and you're donating to the station. That's what's so wonderful here. And you're getting the mask. 516-620-3602. Again, that number is uh, 516 516- 620-3602. You can also go online and the uh, uh, the website address is give to, that's the number two, give to wbai.org. Uh, and there's another way. If you are, you prefer to just donate on your phone. We've all been to these events where they have text to give. We have that too at WBAI. You just have to text WBAI to uh, 41444. Then you have to just go through a couple of prompts. It's very easy to do. Uh, the other way, if you don't feel like you need a mask, but you still want to show your support for WBAI, you can become what is known as a BAI buddy. And that's where you give uh, a sustaining contribution. It just goes right onto my credit card each month. You can give $10, $15, $20, uh, whatever you can afford. I, I realize that times are very tough for people right now. Uh, so whatever you can give would be great. And you could set this up by becoming a BAI buddy at give to wbai.org or even just calling 516 620 3602. Show your support. Remember, we are commercial free. Uh, we are commercial free and uh, we're non-corporate. And it means a lot to be able to help us out at this time. Remember, last year, uh, last year, we uh, were temporarily uh, uh, off the air for a month. And so we, that was right when we were having our fundraising drive. And sadly, we were doing really well during that drive, and then we were suspended off the air for some time. So that has become uh, that became a major setback, which is why this spring we extended it. Uh, we extended our fundraising drive. So if you got a chance, it would be wonderful if you could uh, show your support. Let me just give you the ways that you can support once again. Uh, go uh, call the number five one six. Uh, 620-3602. Again, that number is 516-620-3602. You can also text to WBAI. Uh, You want to text WBAI to the number 41444. Uh, And again, you could even just go to the website. uh, And that number, uh, that address is give to WBAI. Dot O-R-G. Uh, once again, that's give to uh, WBA, give to WBAI 
www.ghostbusters.org. So hold on one, just one brief second. I'm going to just uh, email a, a note to Reggie just to forward it over to him so we can get our next guest on the line. Let's just do that. Reggie, if you can hear me, I'm sending an email to you right now that'll have that phone number for you to get our next guest in there. Uh, and so as we wait for the next guest, which uh, hopefully we were able to get him on the line, uh, I just wanted to give you one uh, some more news updates that took place today. Uh, it seems that every Thursday when I'm on, that really before is when the new labor uh, the labor department numbers come out. So it's been a little frustrating when you look at the numbers. Uh, the latest round of the applications for unemployment insurance means that roughly, and this is another one of those disturbing numbers, roughly 50 million Americans uh, have made initial jobless benefits claims in just 16 weeks. Uh, 1.3 million workers filed first-time claims for unemployment insurance in the last week, according to the Labor Department earlier today. It's astounding about how many people are uh, around us right now who've been hurting financially, uh, who are worried about next month's, uh, for instance, the moratorium uh, that was implemented that prevents uh, tenants from getting evicted when that ex expires. Uh, so that's a significant uh, concern right now. So apparently we're not able to get our final guest on the line. I know Reggie has been trying, and he is trying at the correct number, if he can hear me right now. So, uh, we, you know, we may not be able to get him on the line, but we are trying to do that. Hold on. Let's just do this. One second, folks. I'm trying to multitask right here. Reggie, I'm connecting you with the person who is going to then put you on the phone with the senator. So there you go. You're now connected. You should be getting an email right now, Reggie. As he's doing that, uh, we talked about Joe Biden a little earlier with, uh, uh, with uh, Congresswoman Yvette Clark. What was also happening in, over the last day or two were a number of the Democrats who were also running for president have now coalesced uh, around Joe Biden, and uh, they are now pitching a new economic recovery plan that he released yesterday called Build Back Better. Uh, they're all coalescing behind him to support him because their whole effort here is to defeat Donald Trump uh, in November. In, in that plan, uh, that plan proposes investing at least $700 billion to create 5 million jobs. Consider what I was just talking about with the unemployment rate um, you know, the steep unemployment rate compared with what we had pre-pandemic. And this plan aims to create at least 5 million uh, jobs and also to tighten Buy American laws in, in the country. So I want to just go back briefly to uh, the ballot discussion because that Jerry and I were, were talking about. And Reggie will just give me a heads up when we've got someone on the line. Um, but uh, Jerry was talking about the absentee ballot counting process and some of the challenges in there. Um, but there are specific uh, races that have been incredibly close. Now, Yvette Clark's obviously was not at this point when you look at those numbers. But there are a few of our incumbents who are, are, are still waiting with bated breath to see if they are still going to eke out a win right now. And one of those who we've had on the show uh, is Representative Carolyn Maloney. She only had, prior to the absentee ballots being counted, she only had about a 1% lead over her challenger, Siraj Patel, in their fight for uh, her district, which goes from the Upper East Side into parts of uh, Brooklyn and Queens waterfront uh, neighborhoods. Another race uh, that uh, had a, uh, where he had a surprising lead is New York City Councilman Richie Torres, uh, running to replace Representative Jose Serrano took a very wide lead uh, uh, ahead of his competitors on that. But we're waiting. That race, if I'm correct, has still not been called. Another race not decided yet. And Jerry, uh, one of Jerry Goldfeder's uh, candidates is actually in this uh, in this race. Representative Ellie Engel and progressive Jamal Bowman, who's been on our show before, uh, Jamal Bowman, uh, before absentees was significantly ahead of Engel, but that race uh, has not been been called either. Uh, Engel, by the way, had lost uh, the in-person vote by in a two-to-one landslide 
uh, to Bowman. So it would really take what one uh, media outlet said, a stunning turnaround in the absentee ballot count to get Engel back in contention to hold on to the seat uh, that he has held since 1993. Uh, so uh, as we uh, read, just wanted to check any progress or that phone line is no one's picking up. Not yet. Okay. Uh, I forwarded an email to you. Hopefully you got it. Uh, he's trying your cell and let's just, yeah, he is trying it. Um, for, yeah. So hopefully you can get him on the line. If not, we're going to have to try this for another show. Uh, let me though then remind our listeners what is most important right now, our health, our families, our, our friends, our coworkers. That is why, I, I stress this. I've had people on the show before and I ask all of the guests about the precautions that they're taking and how they've been touched by the coronavirus. Um, it is, it is still very deadly. It is still out there. And in a number of our cities across our country, this is surging. Just turn on the TV or after you listen to the show or listen to the radio, listen to WBAI where you're hearing the news reports every hour and they're talking about the latest problems. Uh, this, you know, there, it is surging in a number of areas. And so it is so important that even in, a, in New York city or New York state where we've seen a significant drop in new infections and in new uh, in people who have passed away, where I think the latest numbers have been uh, 10 or 11 people per day who are passing away. Those are still, you know, people that many of us know. Um, we should not let our guard down. We still should take precautions. We still should be leery uh, when we are going somewhere and we see a large crowd, particularly when people are standing close together or when you're going to an indoor space. That's one of the biggest concerns, by the way, and I mentioned that at the beginning of the show today. That's one of the biggest concerns about what our school system is going to look like in the next academic year. I mean, if you're confused about the state of our schools this fall, you're not alone. There are multiple ways, multiple options that are being floated right now. And I'm certain that parents, teachers, and parents are wondering how this is all going to fall into place when you have you know, a, a federal administration that is threatening that all schools must open. And then you have a place like New York City, where you've got one and a, I'm sorry, 1.1 million school kids. I should know that. Get that number right as a former education reporter here in the city. 1.1 million kids who uh, are likely not going to return to classrooms full time come this fall. I mean, it's going to be a mix of in-person classes and online learning. Uh, the mayor has said, Mayor Bill de Blasio had said that students can expect to go to school two or three days a week to be in the buildings there. And that those, um, you know, those in crowded buildings may get as little as one day of in-person instruction. Consi consider uh, how significant overcrowding has been in a number of our schools. I mean, this means also for many of our schools, the typical class can be nine to 12 students and that many of our buildings are also going to use gyms and cafeterias, which they turn into teaching spaces. Um, you know, it, it's just astounding to think of this. Consider what, you know, what school was like when we were there and now what our children are going through. Many of them who, you know, might be, uh, might be struggling uh, with technology uh, to, uh, and also consider the students who, are without a home to begin with and how school for them was an opportunity to be able to socialize with other students, with other kids, to be able to, in many of our schools, to be able to get a hot meal uh, during the day and also to be able to, to feel, you know, like their lives had some uh, semblance of order. Uh, so it, it's amazing what these next few weeks are going to uh, be like. So I also want to apologize to our folks. We've been trying to get the senator on. We will try to get him on another show because we are getting close to the end of the show today. Um, I'm not sure why uh, the number didn't work, but we will hopefully get him back on another show. Uh, we were looking forward to this today. Uh, as we get near the end of the show, I do want to bring up again why, you know, why WBAI has been so important, uh, you know, at this time. Think of, you know, I grew up listening to the radio. The radio was everything to me. I grew up listening a lot when I was really, really young to WPLJ. 
Um, you know, it's, it brought me music, you know, and now I listen to WBAI constantly. Now that I'm in, in the house constantly, uh, it, this is my background music. This is my background news. Uh, and, you know, where else can you go where you get a diversity of opinions like this, where you don't have to get sandbagged by tons of advertisements for the same products and the same commercials that drive you crazy. But instead, you can listen to shows you know, like uh, Let's Talk with John Cain, where you're hearing such a unique perspective. You know, and that's why I didn't talk about the Supreme Court decision uh, that he focused on today, that I talked with uh, Congresswoman Yvette Clark about another Supreme Court decision, because we all pay attention to the news. We all pay attention to the world around us. And that's what WBAI wants to bring you as much as possible, which is this diversity uh, of opinions, uh, of different types of shows, and not just wall-to-wall commercials and ads. Uh, you know, again, we are not corporate. That's why we rely on you. We rely on our listeners. Our, whether you're new to WBAI or someone like Jerry Goldfeder who's been listening to us for decades, BAI means something to New York and means something to our listenership. It means something to you. And if you have a moment, it is you know, I know it's tough. I know a lot of people are unemployed right now or seeing their salaries cut or you're helping, you know, other causes. And I don't want, I don't want you to take, I don't want to take away from what you're doing if you're donating to food pantries or to other causes. That is just as important right now. Hunger insecurity is something I'm incredibly concerned about in our nation and in our city right now. Just like I'm worried about what we're going to see in the next few months when people who have been able to hold off uh, in paying their rent because they can't afford it are going to have to pay it once again and won't be able to. So I'm worried about how our homelessness rate is going to go up. Those are important causes. There are, you know, there are so many things that matter to us. And what matters to me is also making sure that we have non-corporate commercial-free radio. That is incredibly important if you want to be able to hear this type of perspective, particularly, you know, when we have a federal administration and certain news outlets that have one point of view that you might be hearing, uh, you know, trumpeted uh, constantly. So if you just get a chance, it is incredibly incredibly valuable if you would be able to support WBAI. The number to call is 516-620-3602. Again, that number is 516-620-3602. You can also go to our website at give to wbai.org. That's give to wbai.org. And as I mentioned earlier, we also allow you to text. So if you're even walking on one of those open streets right now and you're listening to us, just take, you know, take your phone out and just text WBAI to 41444. Make a contribution. Five, ten, well, actually a little more than five if you can. Uh, fifteen, twenty dollars. If you can donate, that would be amazing. And if you give, $35, say you want one of the WBAI masks, because then when you go out and you walk on the open street, you're also, you're promoting WBAI and you're showing people that you are a listener who cares about the voice of WBAI. I mean, we've been around for 60 years. We want to be around for 60 more. And it's your contributions, not corporate dollars. It's your contributions that keep us going, that fuel us. One of the things that uh, Linda Perry our program director had mentioned earlier to us internally that's important is we also have our radio antenna in Midtown Manhattan and it costs a significant amount of money to be able to have that antenna so we can continue with our signal. And that's where this money is also going to go for. That's a specific need that we have and we're hoping that you're able to support us at this time by donating to WBAI. So that number, once again, as I get ready to close out the show, 516 516- 620-3602. Again, that's 516-620-3602. Or text WBAI to the number 41444. Or you can go to our website. And you'll and you'll see the mask on there too when you go to WBAI.org. But specifically the way to donate is to go to give to 
wbai.org. So as I get ready to wrap up, I want to thank uh, my guests today, Congress member Yvette Clark, and also election expert Jerry Goldfeder. Very happy to have them both on the show. Of course, I do want to thank Reggie Johnson, who's been making these shows happen, and who was trying to reach out and get Senator uh, Cory Booker on the phone. I'll find out what the issues were because we did have the right number, but it wasn't going through. So hopefully we can have him back on the show uh, on a subsequent Thursday. Tune into WBAI this Sunday at 10 a.m. for City Watch. I will be hosting this week. My co-host David Brand is off. My guests will be Hope Knight of the Greater Jamaica Development Corporation and Jessica Gonzalez Rojas. She just recently took a significant lead in the primary vote in the assembly race here in Jackson Heights to oust uh, incumbent Mike Dendecker and also the head of the Queens Library System, Dennis Walcott, who's going to talk about how libraries have been adjusting during this pandemic. Again, if you missed any part of the show, go to WBAI.org and programs and then archives. The show will be up and running in about 10 minutes. You'll be able to download it too. Have a great evening and stay tuned for the news with Paul DiRienzo. have called for us to rise and breathe in freedom. For the first time in history, the International African Arts Festival will be a global virtual event held on Saturday, July 4th and the following Saturday of July 11th from 7 p.m. to 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time live on iaafestival.org and all streaming platforms. Visit us at www.iaafestival.org for more information on the 49th International African Arts Festival. Don't miss it. Presidents of Indivisible Nation BK. Join us on WBAI Thursdays at 7 p.m. for tips and tricks for political change. That's Indivisible 101 Thursdays at 7 p.m. Right here on WBAI. cars, trucks, SUVs, RVs, boats, and more. Any reason is a good reason to give a vehicle to WBAI. Some do it to avoid the hassles of selling. Some like to skip the costs of repairing, while others just enjoy the good feelings of giving back to their community. But no matter your reason, donating a vehicle to WBAI is a great idea. And it's easy. Here's how it works. Simply call 866-WBAI-CAR. That's 866-922-4227. Or give online at WBAI.org slash donate your car. Our vehicle donor support team will arrange your free pickup. When the driver arrives to tow away your great gift, you'll receive a donation receipt. Vehicle donations have the potential to drive hundreds and sometimes even thousands of dollars to WBAI. Call 866-WBAI-CAR or visit WBAI.org slash donate your car. Wash your hands, everybody. And everybody, wash your hands. My people downtown, wash your hands. My people downtown, wash your hands. People from the East Coast, wash your hands. People from the West Coast, wash your hands. First and foremost, please listen close. Take your time, wash. Use a lot of soap from the front to the back, back to the front. Sing the hook where you at, that's exactly what we want. You catch a little fever, shortness of breath, slight little cough. Feel it in your chest, you should call your doctor. Doctor know what's best. Don't go run into the hospital because you could be a threat. Coronavirus. Don't you get it? Epidemic, pandemic, 
social distance, non-existence, don't resist this, get gone in an instance, if you miss this. All right, this is WBAI New York 99.5 FM and WBAI.org online. The previous program was Driving Forces with Jeff Simmons, and that is heard Thursdays at 5 p.m. Stay tuned for the WBAI Evening News coming up, followed by uh, Justice Matters with Bob Ganji at 6.30. 7 p.m. is Indivisible 101, and at 7.30 p.m. is is on contact with Je- uh, with uh, Chris Hedges. This is your listener-sponsored community radio station, WBAI New York, and.